0: I recently sort of joked about Vigano being very active with his letter writing recently, but it got me to thinking over the weekend about what he has been doing, because there is a logic to all of his letters. So today I'm going to revisit the logic of what he's saying by tying his very first public letter to the one that made waves a couple of weeks ago. Because Vigano is, in fact, trying to make a larger point. And it is one that we need to hear, especially as we head towards what's likely the fulfillment of the chaos of this year, and its real purpose. So buckle up, because I think this is something we need to revisit and ponder. I wanted to take a moment first, though, to ask you to check to see if you're still subscribed. Our lovely host just did one of their periodic house cleanings of what they call latent or bot accounts, And that sort of thing. And there's always a few active accounts who get unsubscribed in the process. I've been told from some people that they were unsubscribed without their permission or knowledge, especially if you're still subscribed. And if you've been watching without being subscribed to the channel, and my stats say a fair number of people do, please do so. It helps a lot, and it is appreciated. Back to what Vegano has been telling us, though. Alright, so central to this discussion is the concept of the, um entrenched state. It's a term you've heard many people use, but the real term definitely flies in the face of our lovely host's sensibilities, and I should know from personal experience. Vigano, in his letter to the president, referred to an entrenched church that mirrored that problem that he faced in the state. It's the stuff of tinfoil hat theories if you're uninitiated in the political science literature, but I assure you, it's very real. In graduate school, my professors all spoke about how we as budding public administrators were going to be in a position to work and enact policy that we didn't agree with, and in so doing, change how it was implemented, to curb the worst desires of politicians. All in the name of the public good, of course. No one elected us, of course, though the professors would never dare say that, and given the nature of contracts and other protections for employees, good luck ever getting rid of us. This concept that people make fun of a certain president for talking about is openly admitted by educators and those who work in positions, at least to their students. It's all a big joke if you think about it, at least how they talk about it in public. But the concept is nothing new. In the political science literature, this has been studied at least since the Great Depression. In a peer-reviewed article by Brecht, published in 1937, he defines this concept in the following way. He begins by framing it as bureaucracy. When, in the modern parlance, our political leaders, who seem to have a grasp on the problem, call it the um, entrenched state. Quote, At other times or places, the term is used in so broad a sense as to be equivalent to any professional and permanent civil service based on hierarchical subordination. In common language not less justifiable under a literal translation of the term, the meaning often lies between these two extremes. It refers neither to a system of government nor to the civil service as a whole, but to any kind of political control exercised consciously or unconsciously by civil servants as distinct from and eventually in contrast to the political exponents of the government, End quote. I'd have that on your screen for you, but again, the peer-reviewed journal articles tend to be very, very much controlling about how their content is used publicly and are not necessarily a big fan of fair use. But anyway, this concept isn't limited to the the apparatuses of government. This is, in fact, in every facet of society. Hollywood? Highly bureaucratized. The music industry? The arts in general? Highly bureaucratized. Professional and collegiate sports? (laughs) Absolutely. The big business portion of the private sector? Definitely. Look at how quickly they all fell in line to adopt the rhetoric of the Agents of Chaos, and yes, and especially, the Church, which was one of their first targets. This was the work of AA-1025 and Bella Dodd, to put men in place who were not morally fit to be in any position of authority in the Church, and then help them ascend as high as possible. This um, embedded nature of their rule is seen so clearly today, and has been for some time, since the 1990s, when Father Malachi Martin was talking about this problem publicly, when saying that if people complained to the Vatican about heresy being preached by their bishop, or trying to report their priest for unspeakable acts of the McCarrick variety, nothing would happen. The permanent bureaucracy would intercept the communication to protect their chosen men. But dare to defend tradition. Dare to recognize the state of the emergency in the church and act accordingly. You got excommunicated and with a vengeance. Apply that to the secular world, and you see the same thing being played out now. Vigano has been pointing this out for a lot longer than in his recent letter to and prayers for the president. The central thrust of Vigano's letters has been of a subversion of the church from within that has stopped all attempts to attain justice for those harmed by men in positions of power of the McCarrick variety, and especially of McCarrick himself. Throughout the now seemingly long past two years, that Vigano has been a near household name for Catholics, he has listed problems after problem in nearly monthly interviews or letters. Since the affliction, Vigno has stepped up his output of writing considerably, penning a prayer for the president just a few days ago. But it is his initial letter, that letter of August twenty-second, twenty eighteen, that we should briefly revisit. I'm not going to re-record it here for you. I have it. It's I have it on the channel if you want it. No, I have a couple of quotes. That does sufficient justice for our purposes here. Now, in that letter, Vigano details his attempts to notify Pope Benedict XVI of McCarrick's crimes and how they were common knowledge among the hierarchy in America. Vigano names numerous cardinals of the Roman Curia as having participated in the cover-up, including Cardinals Bertone and Soldano, both of whom have been named in the past as possible papal candidates. Then he names a familiar name to those of you who have followed the story about the book that's making the rounds about the potential successor of Pope Francis. I didn't bother covering it because that's it's just pure speculation. But here's a here's a quote from that letter from his initial letter. Quote Cardinal Pietro Perolin, the current Secretary of State, was also complicit in covering up the misdeeds of McCarrick, who had, after the election of Pope Francis, boasted openly of his travels and missions to various continents. In April 2014, the Washington Times had a front-page report on McCarrick's trip to the Central African Republic, and on behalf of the State Department, no less. As nuncio to Washington, I wrote to Cardinal Perlin asking him if the sanctions imposed on McCarrick by Pope Benedict were still valid. Cavan sans dire that my letter never received any reply. The same can be said for Cardinal William Levada, former prefect of the Congregation of the Faith, for Cardinals Mark Woulet, Prefect of the Congregation for Bishops, Lorenzo Baldessari, former Secretary of the same Congregation for Bishops, and Archbishop Ilson de Jesus Montanari, current Secretary of the same Congregation. They were all aware, by reason of their office, of the sanctions imposed by Pope Benedict on McCarrick." End this would be no different if today the former Attorney General of the United States wrote a public letter to the President, explaining that he was stopped from notifying the president about men who worked for him that were linked to the trade and people that we're seeing sometimes in the headlines now, if you know where to look. It is likely that these men intercepted these communications themselves, right? No, not necessarily. Likely, they had junior members of the James Martin Brigade working in the relevant communications offices that intercepted these letters and had them brought to the various cardinals named here. This is an accusation that was first made by Father Malachi Martin back in the 1990s, and he said that the apparatus was installed to control the Pope so that he could do little to correct the corruption that was rampant at that time. This entrenched church has quite a list of names in that initial letter. Men like Cardinal Donald Wuerl, Cardinal Francesco Coco Palmiero, and Archbishop Vincenzo Paglia, Cardinals Edwin Frederick O'Brien and Renato Rafael Martino, He names more, and he emphasizes something that most of us have missed, that this is the part of a Martin-esque current in the church, and that it crosses theological and political ideologies. In other words, your favorite bishop, theologically, may be part of this program that protects these kinds of men. Why, though? Because of power. This is the legacy of Dodd writ large. One hundred years after her work on behalf of the USSR, we see the work coming to fruition, Work that really began in earnest in the pontificate of Benedict XV, after the passing of Pope St. Pius X. This is the situation we see today. Which brings us back to the secular world. Vigano released a letter correspondence with a nun over this past weekend. A pretty angry nun. It's frankly too spicy for me to read to you. I would have to sanitize it beyond comprehension to put it here. I have it recorded and put up on the audio-only platform for those who care. A link to it is in the pinned comment right here on YouTube. Now, if you're on Spotify or Anchor.fm, just look for the other upload from me today. In that exchange, he defends his letter to the president, and defends the man himself against the charges we see constantly today. You know, the R-word, his alleged desires for global conquest, and whatever other silly things we hear all the time. Like I said, it's way too spicy, so I've recorded it, completely unsanitized for you to hear, but elsewhere. It is worth checking out, and I begin it with a letter from the clearly angry nun responding to him. But in that letter, he reminds us of the nature of the battle before us, a battle between the holy and the unholy, and how this materializes in the secular realm, and how the two are really indistinguishable at times. The thrust of Vigano's first letter, though, through and including his recent letter to that nun that was published this weekend makes it clear His thesis is pretty straightforward and says that there is an organized effort to subvert the church from not only within, but with the complicity of organizations that are external to the institutional church and the church itself, and that these forces are entrenched in the same way that certain political leaders refer to the entrenched bureaucracy in the secular world. If you need an example, have a look at the CNA article decrying the endorsement of Vigano's letter by the president, citing unnamed Catholics who work for him and how angry they are about the whole thing. It's the specific M.O. of the opinion makers in the secular realm, and it's now being applied to the Church. This entrenched bureaucracy exists in Rome as much as it does in the halls of power of any Western democracy. The two are inseparably linked. I don't need to tell you what to do, but and I usually try not to, but I will today. I want you to meditate on that prayerfully in the weeks and months ahead. Things are coming to a culmination, and I think Vigano senses that. It can really be the only explanation of his recent flurry of letter writing unless he thinks his personal time is short. When the next Vigano letter comes out, and I'm sure there will be another one, I'd love it if people considered it in this light. I think he sees a serious issue of subversion across all the institutions of the West, and is trying to make us aware of the problem. But what do you think? Let me know in the comments, please. And please pray for the Church. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.